You are about to experience the Jerry Banfield Show. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. The interview I did here was originally live streamed on YouTube. You can search for Jerry Banfield Series Colony Cavalier on YouTube if you want to watch this instead of listen to it. I put the best of what I create on my podcast for you. If you would like to support the podcast or advertise in the podcast or get in game with me, chat with me on Discord, follow anywhere else, just go to jerrybanfield.com. There's links to everything there. If you had the shout out level on Patreon, I would shout you out right now. And if you were a sponsor level on Patreon, I'd be sponsoring you and sharing your ad right here in this spot. You can get to that at Jerry Banfield Patreon or jerrybanfield.com. My wow. friends, welcome to the Jerry Banfield Show. We are live with Tony Rodriguez, the author of Series Colony Cavalier, one of the best books I've ever read in my whole life. Incredible story. And it's such an honor to actually get to interview the author of one of the books I've enjoyed so much, given I've never interviewed any other author of a book I've really enjoyed. So, Tony, thanks a lot for doing this today. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. And I like we we were just talking off camera. I don't know what it's like to read the book. So when people <laughs> tell me it was a really awesome, the best book ever, you know, a lot of people are it's received being received well. So, thank you uh, for saying that, and um, it's doing well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I hear your book is number one seller in the category now for a few weeks, and you can you just search Series Colony Cavalier on Amazon and on Kindle. I'll be writing my review on it soon. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, in the beginning, when you first publish it, Amazon doesn't even have it in the search engine. It's got to get so much buzz or clicks before you can even find it in Amazon. And so just last week it did, it hit that. So when you go into Amazon and you type in the name, it comes up. So, um, but it's been, what are we going on? Six weeks now, six weeks. It's been number one in its category. And then now it's this week, it's a number one bestseller. It gets spikes. So it's really turned out, it's really turned out to be an efi very efficient way to get the information out. I went public in 2016 with my account of my abduction and what I went through at a young age in the secret space program and for black ops, black programs that I worked in, that I was taken for and participated in at a young age. And the information, I mean, I've done a few hundred interviews and talked about it all. And a lot of it's been scrubbed. So we see, we see a lot of, we see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, information being suppressed or deleted from the social media platforms. I don't care. I don't want to name names and get, and get us deleted, <laughs> but a lot of my stuff, you know, I've done well over 200, 250 interviews and more than half of them are gone. You can't find them anymore. And I had a website with a collection with all the links. And so the book is really the best way to kind of preserve the information because there's a lot of things in there I think are ruffle some feathers from people that are in these programs <laughs> yeah that puts it mildly i they might be pretty upset so i'm glad you're experienced now and i've i've done a lot of live streams too so it's it's an interesting environment kind of knowing what is allowed and what's not allowed and dancing around it so for people that don't know you i will give a little summary of your story so i found tony rodriguez on dr michael sala's channel after listening to his books, 
And I saw his interview and I'm like, I have to read this guy's book, which is not something that usually happens to me. I think eh, maybe I'll read that. But yours, I'm like, I got to hear this guy's full story. So I bought your book off Amazon and his basically he was he ran into a kid in the Illuminati in school who got him abducted and put into a secret space program when he was nine years old. Well, not initially that. That's where you got on the trajectory, but you were in human slavery for the rest of your childhood until you're about 16. You were in Peru running drugs. You were a sex slave up in the Seattle area. And then you were sent, you were sold to the secret military space programs where you were trained on, you were trained and conditioned on the moon, sent over to Mars, then sent over to Ceres colony with the Deutsch breakaway civilization and you served the rest of your time doing missions all over the galaxy there. Then you came back here, they time traveled you back, put you in like a few minutes, maybe 30 minutes, an hour, a few hours after you're abducted, the middle of the night. You walk downstairs and things are not normal the next morning with the rest of the family. You've essentially, you've been gone 20 years. You didn't remember where the bathroom was at school. And then you kinda, these memories kinda faded away to like the back of your mind so to speak and then they reawakened when you got an MRI in your early 40s you said and 2015 yeah so is that that the, that's the story we're working with in a basic uh, wow I, you know that's a big intro there's a I mean you know that's a <laughs> that's a mouthful that you gave right there there was it's a lot to it and anybody listening it sounds like some kind of b-grade sci-fi movie you know it sounds like a video game you know, uh, really, but in a nutshell, that's what happened. That's what I, I, I woke up to these memories. I always had bleed through flashback type memories that didn't make. And I thought, when could that have happened? Because in the memory, it wasn't just a specific thing. In the memory, I had I had memory. I had a career. Like I remembered being in the middle of my day, the full day. So and I thought to myself, when could that happen? And I brushed them back. And when I got the full recall in 2015, Firstly, I was shocked and, you know, I didn't know what to do with it, what was happening to me. And secondly, I, um, I began to find the places on earth and prove it to myself that it wasn't, you know, some other condition. I thought, you know, I went through all my, in my head, well, all the possibilities, how could I be remembering this and some of those terrible things that I went through. And then some of the unbelievable things were actually working on a UFO and, uh, Turns out a lot of the things that I remember checked out when I began to research my own information, they, instead of being proved wrong, which is what I was actually hoping for, I thought that, I, you know, once I found the place in Seattle or anywhere that it wasn't there or proved that the place in Peru wasn't there, that I could just kind of ex explain it or brush it away. Maybe it was a crazy dream or something and kind of move on. But thing at time after time after time, dozens, if not hundreds of things have checked out. Um, circumstantial things have checked out and actual tangible things have checked out and supported everything I remember to the T. And so at that point I went, I got it. I can't, I can't keep this to myself. I have to speak to somebody. And I got a hold of some researchers and did one interview, which led to another and another and another. And that was uh, 2016. I started doing interviews. So six years now. And I began the book back then. That's, I began the book and I'm just, it was very painful to recall a lot of the things that I went through and the the, tor the trauma that was involved. So it was very hard to get the book done. And uh, 
absolutely wonderful group of people volunteered to help me. A girl named Andalera did the transcribing for me. I did an interview with her and she helped me. She's an author and she made it. I, I sent her recordings and she would transcribe. And then a, um, a girl named Jackie Kenner, who is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, a very brilliant, brilliant person, did the editing and really has been my friend along the way and motivated me to finish the book. And so I barnstormed it and, and got it done. I, I would have still been writing it. You know, I would have still been ha- struggling with it. So Jackie really was the, um, the catalyst for getting it done. And she went through and did an absolutely beautiful, great editing job. And we got the book out. And it's been number one in its category since since it got released on um, January 1st of this year. Well, it's an exciting interview at this time because this is, to in my mind, this is the beginning of all the stuff that's going to happen you know, you've just got the book out there. This is, you know, 10 years from now. I'm like, man, I was just getting started then. Just put my first book. We'll see. Uh, yeah, there are, there are, I do have a second one in the works. I really and, want uh, that second book. I listened to one of those other interviews. I really, if anything you could talk about with that second book. So you said. It's you, a more complicated account. It's basically like a, like a, you know, if you take the story of the first book and then you take a few pieces of it and zoom really in zoom in i'm gonna i'm really gonna broaden a few things that happened in the book not so much the trump trauma but like just a few episodes that it didn't make i didn't want to go off on a tangent it's i couldn't have included it in the book because it would have took the it would have took the reader in a completely different direction and then when you got back to it to the story and how the how it ended up the years later it, it would have been too far gone it would have left too many questions so I will devote an entire book to it. And then, uh, you know, I hope to fill in a few things. You know, I'm, I basically just want to address questions that people have from this book. And then I'm planning on doing a, a, maybe a short, a short book after that on what it's been like to go public, like m- this life. Like not so much when I was taken and that 20 years, but basically what's happened since I became public about it. I want to... <clears throat> I want to have a book about that because I've, I've learned quite a bit by being invited behind the scenes in a lot of this genre. And I've met a lot of people that are very, um, very well known in ufology. And, and I've learned quite a bit. I, I'm not a researcher. I never set out to be one, but because so many people contact me and through my website, they contact me and I work with people to try to help them make sense of their memories or recover more memories. I've def- you know, it's kind of fell in my lap that I'm, I'm a researcher, even though I don't do actual science. I'm not writing it down and, and you know, doing stats and things. But I've learned a great deal. So I want I want to put that together in a book eventually. That'll be the third one. And um, just kind of com- just kind of compare my story with everybody else's that, I, that I've talked to. Well, it's funny. You've spent six years writing this first book and now you've got people like me to like, come on, I want that next book. And oh, yeah. After that. Well, and then I was I was shocked when the book in the very first week that the book was released, people devoured it. People were like, "I finished your book," and it's 480 pages. It it was a great deal of work. It was a great deal of work, and people are I mean, there's people that are saying they read it in one sitting. It, it, it and it, to be fair, it does. It is a fast read. It's but there's a great deal of spacing. There's probably 10 or 20 pages of just spacing in there in between that I put in because that's how I tend to write in my emails. And in my messages, like when I'm on Facebook or something, when I write, I, I put spacing there. It's just a habit that d- developed from years ago from one of the email days. And there's a kind of, it's kind of a bigger font, so you can see it. 
And uh, so the book is a fast reader. It's a it's fast read, but people absolutely devour it. Most people are like, you know, two, three days, they're done with the book. And it's quite a bit. I mean, it's it's not it's not super small. Yeah, I yeah. went through it pretty quick. But with, you know, being a full time creator like this and having kids and my wife works full time, I would just any time I could get like 30 minutes. And my wife's like, oh, are you reading that book again? I'm like, yes, I am reading that book. I started to try and tell her about some of it. And she she's like, it's too much for her. And that leads to my main question that I have. The one question you've seen extraterrestrials, you've seen other galaxies, you've seen places on Earth that are normally off limits to people. You've seen all these things. Whereas most of us or a lot of us have not seen these things. And with all that you've seen, like what can we do to help, so to speak? Like what can all of us do that basically have to take what you've said on faith? You know, what can we do to help stop these these crazy things going on that are done in secret that none of us know about? How do we what can we do to help get to like a Star Trek future where there's honesty, there's transparency? Awesome question. That's a big question. I always I there's been times when I did interviews I you know, on the inside, I was wishing somebody would ask me this question. Not that I have a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> what I've learned in the very beginning, there was a period after 2015 where a lot of people were coming forward with information. Like, so you like just how you say that I've seen all these things and not many people have seen them. It's the truth is thousands of people have reached out to me and have similar memories, similar experiences. A lot of people anybody in ufology i think most of the crowd in ufology when you um when you look out into the crowd and ask they all have some form of sighting story they have a story they can give you that they sighted or had some kind of experience that doesn't make sense with the official uh story of what life is supposed to be they you know we have a packaged life and that you know we're supposed to be the only ones it's laughable now that we look back <laughs> on it and, and they saw, they tried to sell us that we're the only life in the universe. They really literally convinced a lot of people that to believe that. And the scale of the universe is, it's just unbelievable that anybody would fall for that. But <laughs> um, so many people have seen a, behind the curtain of that, of that fakeness, that fake reality. So many people have seen a glimpse like myself and like others and people that have great deal of memory that participate in these programs that come forward. So there's a lot of people in it. In the beginning, when people would contact me and they, they'd say, what do I do? What do we do here with this? And I'd say, you know, ultimately, it's not for everybody. I've paid a great deal of price in my personal life by talking about this publicly. I've, I've paid a price. Uh, there are people that in my personal life that don't want to be involved with it. It's too much for them. A lot of people, in order to believe my story, my account, and read it and actually give it thought, and to take that jump and believe these these things are real, you have to unbelieve something very important. And so that's something that you're asking somebody to give give up something dear to them. You, if you get what I'm saying, in order to yes. make people believe that this is that these programs are real, they have to unbelieve that their government actually cares about them, or that the system cares about them, or society is built on what it's built on because it's not. It's built on something completely different from above. So. There's that aspect. And in the beginning, when I would re refer to somebody, I would say, look, you've got to make your own choice. It's not for everybody to speak about this. So it's up to you. If you don't want to talk about it, there's nothing wrong. You have to search your, you know, your own feeling and go with that. 
But I've changed that view over time because what I found is that now we're seeing in the beginning, we didn't see the suppression. Like there was a real dip in what was going on behind the scenes. You could, you know, you can kind of see the bubbling up to the surface of what was going on in the world. And we, I mean, everybody, everybody knows that we've had a crazy five years and you were seeing people like me actually be able to speak. And I think before that they had an apparatus that would shut people up. I think people have come forward every single year with these things, but most, for the most part, back in the seventies, eighties and nineties, they got, they got silenced. And I think their apparatus um, was damaged at some point. And so many people like me are speaking forward. Nowadays, the strategy that I would say, when you ask me, what do we do about this right now? There's nothing we can do to force a disclosure, but what we can do is fight back against the, the programming that we've gotten. And I want to, I'll talk about that, how it worked, but we've been programmed to laugh and ridicule UFOlogy, period. End of story. If there's life out in the cosmos, you're programmed. There's a giggle factor in media. They pro- you can see how media is manipulates people towards one uh one opinion or another slightly in commercials they all they make it look like everybody's of the same mind on a on a subject and they slowly manipulate everybody to believe it and they've done that with ufology they started really hardcore in the 50s and they've done it ever since with the national inquirer right at the, in the checkout line and you know they've made a joke of it so whenever you talk about ets it's like the person you're talking about automatically assumes that you're going to be made a fool of and they don't want to talk about it so that's the first line of, of the battle right now is that my information and other information that these exist, that they have, that the government is doing business with ETs, that they've acquired advanced technology and they actually have the ability to travel space and time. So time travel is invokes the thousand yard stare from everybody. <laughs> it does. When you say you got put back in time, they go, And they're just lost in it. So that's the end of the story for most people. So what you have to do, what we have to do is normalize this discussion and fight back against the programming that we get from the media to laugh at this discussion. It's that simple. It's really that simple. That's the best bet. Once it's normalized and what happened to me and what happened to other people, there are others that have come forward that are very, very prolific, very well known. There's Brandy Kramer. I I don't want to name a million of them. But there is a, many people that have come forward with stories similar to mine that have overlap that we, and they've never met each other and they never heard of each other. So that's in itself is a great bit of evidence. My story has a great deal of evidence behind it. It does. And so it has to be normalized. I think that's the very first step. Once it's normalized and accepted, then people are going to want to know more about it. And eventually that's how we'll get we'll get a disclosure about it. We have to quit laughing at the subject and we have to start normalizing it. So you're saying what we can each individually do about this is open our own minds, open our own curiosity, kind of confront our own. I'm surprised how I've, I had a dream. I got into this. I've always been drawn to sci-fi. I've loved sci-fi, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek. I consumed these video games. There's something in me that's been very drawn my whole life to it. And where I really, I watched UFO Hunters, Ancient Aliens, I really kind of got motivated. I had this dream one night that I was an ambassador for Earth on another planet. And I was representing Earth along with others and talking to this federation about the state of our planet and kind of what we were doing about it. And I woke up and that dream was just so shocking that 
it kind of got me rolling on this. And even with all that and all the things I've books I've read, I, there's still skepticism in my own mind. Like I watch, there's videos on TikTok of UFOs and even aliens in some of them. And my own mind is, well, is this real? Is this fake? It, it's like even with where I've got, that's, that programming's so deep. Well, and then they, so on top of the programming, there's a, there's a very coordinated effort of disinformation in the in, within the community. I go to talks and there are people there that are clearly disinformation and, or dissipation. What they do is they dissipate the information. You have 10 guys that come forward with credible information and they surround them with 100 guys of slightly bad information. Do you, and they surround, they perturb the story so that the entire subject matter is uh, dismissed. So, you, so it's called the dissipation. disinformation people are essentially paid agents or, you know, they're working. And it's They're working against the truth by intentionally kind of screwing up and causing chaos. Like this person said that, this person said that, and now you heard all of them, you don't know what to think. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. And we're seeing a lot of people in the coming out of the hypnotic regression uh, field, coming out of hypnotic, the people that are getting hypnotic regressions and being told that they were a super soldier, they were this or that, and they have this big story and they're going on and talking about it and actually have no memories and no substantiating proof. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying that people that speak in the field should have substantiating. There should be a thicker uh, vetting process than there is a better vetting process. So we're really seeing, and like I said, these people are flooding the subject matter. You know, when you look on social media, they're flooding it and it's dis it's dissipation. It's dissipating the real message. But it's flattering as well because if they're going to spend money to send an agent to a talk <laughs> to a to a conference and stand on stage and and give us uh you know and go and do shows and everything if they're going to pay for people to do that that means that it's very important information it's very you know it's not just it's not something willy-nilly they're actually putting a great deal of effort to to slow the information down from getting out to people so that just shows that it's all that's just that much more proof that it's important yeah, the people in the ETs that are trying to sabotage it, they see that it is worth sabotaging and that it, it could be a threat if it wasn't messed with. All right, and that leads to my next question, and I'm watching the chat as well. The, so the first thing we can do is really open ourselves up, question our programming, look around and, and be open. And then the next question, once you do that, okay, I'm open to hearing stories about extraterrestrials, UFOs, these may be real, then seems like they definitely are real. All right, so the next step from there is, okay, now how do I tell what's good information about it? Like what's true versus what's disinformation? That's been my biggest challenge lately is which documentary is full of crap and is leading us in the wrong direction? It says there's no negative ETs at all out there. And then there's people on youtube that have you know they're saying that you should only listen to their youtube channel with their information because everybody else is compromised i mean some yeah, of those are uh, more obvious but then you know who do you know how to who do you know how to listen who do you listen to so uh, well i worked with like you said you earlier and you know i'll mention another show you you said earlier that you found me on exopolitics with the dr Sala information yes I really have been, always been a big fan of his because I know of what how much uh, scrutiny he put me through. And he worked with me a very long time before he accepted any of my testimony as presentable. 
and he really did he really did question me quite a bit so he put it was a great deal of vetting most researchers don't do vetting you touched on a few that say that all of the ets are benevolent and none of everywhere <laughs> there are else no in the negative universe, etis <laughs> like you know, the come other on trillion trillion stars have come all on. good guys and we're the only bad guys down here <laughs> so that doesn't that's that is not even in the realm of logic <laughs> or you know if they're space rings and once they get to a certain level of technology then they become all benevolent that doesn't that's not in the realm of logic so that's and then anybody else that tries to manipulate and say you know those other people are trying to monopolize disclosure only listen to me there are people that have said that so that's also not logical that's not a logical stance i think that you should one so when you ask me personally the question let's say like we're all it's just me and you sitting around talking between amongst yourself what i would say is that you have to look at all the information that you can get your hands on and you have to look for the common denominators because there are people that step forward there are people like me, I have a book out, and now once the book is done, it's, it's it's etched in stone what's in the book. So there's that, and there are people that don't read, haven't read my book that will come out with their own information, and it'll overlap. There'll be small overlapping details. And those are the people that really um, you can trust. You have to look for overlapping details. Nowadays, there's so much information out. Everybody's There's been so many testimonies that it's hard to bring anything new to the discussion that you you can't come and say you know i was on a you know i i was up there and there was this there was a little blue guy and he had a he had a weird nose and then somebody else goes yeah that's i remember that too and that's a that's an overlap and that's an example i'm i'm being hypothetical and they go yes i described so two people describe the same et that they met it's actually very validating for them because especially if they never knew each other so do you understand how that works so the overlap of that validation, but you really can't do that anymore because so many people have talked about everything. So the real, the real trick is just looking for other um, forms of validation and where they're coming from. And ultimately we're all going to get proven right or wrong. Time is going to be the great lie detector. Time is going to tell. So it might be a, it might be a year from now. It might be 10 years from now, who knows, but the people that are talking about it, time is going to tell who was right and who was right, who was genuine and who wasn't. Um, but that's why for that reason, I think everybody should, you should expose yourself to as much of the material as you have time for and look for common denominators and, and just follow the ones that do the most vetting, the ones that are most scrutinous. I'm really, uh, so I have a Patreon channel and I've had a lot of great people on my show and I'm really going to kind of, I'm really, I was always, you know, very supportive of everybody, no matter what, even if it didn't sound great, uh, sound even if to me it sounded like a little bit of uh, not a, not an outright lie, but like a connecting a dot, like your brain will, will connect the dot. You remember the, you remember a and C you don't remember B and people will just kind of connect the dot. And so it's not a genuine B. And so I'm really gearing my show. I'm really kind of um, in the, for the next season, I'm kind of gearing it towards being uh, a little bit more scrutinous of information for that reason, because we are seeing, uh, two years ago, we didn't see t- a big effort of disinformation, dissipation, like I'm saying, of, of the now we're seeing a big effort. So I think it's a very important time for the information to be protected of the secret space pr- program and the existence of these programs and the 20 the 20 year tour phenomenon of what's going on. So it's very important that this information become. And when I say to, to talk about it more. You know, when you talk to somebody that's skeptical, they have every right to be, and they, I, it'd be weird if they wouldn't. 
So I say to just mention it to somebody, and if they don't want to hear it, just move on. And then if somebody else mentions it six months later, they're going to go, yeah, I remember that. And then again, six months later, and then they'll eventually go, wow, I've heard it so many times. Let me look into it. And that that's kind of like the method of how it's going to have to spread. It's going to have to be a household. Uh, it's going to have to be a household urban legend or household name for people that are in these programs, the secret space program, before everybody admits it. And once it's on everybody's mind, it'll it'll quickly come to uh, forbearance, I believe, and we'll get a disclosure. I think we're going to get some form of disclosure pretty soon in the next four, three, four years. I'm hoping. I'm very hopeful for it. It Not seems like we're on the way there. As So if I can summarize what you've said and my experiences together, it's kind of like do your own work, kind of clean up your own house. You know, don't be going out lying and cheating and stealing, keeping all these secrets yourself and then expecting the government to act differently. So like, <laughs> you know, clean your own world up, open your own mind up. And then uh, I guess from what you're saying is kind of what works for me is listen to how the information feels within myself. So if I start listening to this YouTube channel and even if the person had good information before and now it seems like it's went bad somewhere, like now you're saying all these negative things, don't listen to anybody else, they're all wrong. Like, all right, maybe maybe I should go get information somewhere else. And if it, like when I heard your thing on Dr. Michael Sala's channel, I'm like, this is great. Like I've got to get more into what he has to say. Just kind of, I guess like, just saying trust that intuition with what you're taking in and take lots of different things in too to so you get more you broad that, perspective. You had that inspiration, you had curious curiosity that really you were inspired and went and kind of got a hunger for more information. Yeah. And anybody that just skips across this subject, like I said, the subject matter is a minefield of controlled uh deception as well as people that are being truthful. The ufology is a very fragmented su uh, subject genre it's very fragmented the reason being is that we are visited by different not just one kind of ufo there's not one kind of species or one kind of technology that visits and interacts with us there are, literally could be billions of different visitors that come through at different levels of technology for different reasons and have different interactions with different people so when they tell their story it doesn't make sense when you as a researcher because the the population of the universe around us is so vast is great it's not just one or two alien races that come here and interact or 100 or 900 it's actually billions can come right through and visit the earth and interact and then go on about their way and never come back because the cosmos are that vast with with civil advanced civilizations so it doesn't make sense to a lot of people to just skip through the the, the genre um that being said I, you know, anybody that just doesn't have that kind of thirst that just goes and researches everything isn't going to, isn't going to really get, you know, you have to dig for the information. And what I would say is when you hear my information, when you hear anybody else's information that speaks forward, research it. Like I, I, I say it all the time. If somebody's skeptical with me, I, I'm totally fine with it, please. But go and research it. Don't just tell me. Uh, lately, I've really taken the mantle. Excuse me. I've. I want to word this correctly. I, um, I'm really starting to argue now with the flat earth people. <laughs> I really am. I mean, I'm kind of sick of it because it's turned into, um, they almost have a religious fervor. So when you argue religion, if people get into a religious context, 
they can kind of make up whatever answer they want because the deity is omnipotent. They could say, you know, that doesn't disprove my deity because he's omnipotent. He could change everything in a snap of his fingers. And the flat earth people have done this now with whenever you present them with the science of the globe and space pro the space the existing space program space assets there's a live feed from the international space station you can log on to the international space station and, and look at what their camera is as it flies over your house and then you can go out with binoculars in your yard and look up at it as it flies over your house That's and cool. see do you know what i'm saying like this is a this is real there are many 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 experiments you can do that prove a globe you can call somebody in California when it's sunny in the morning in, in Eastern time and it's still dark in, in the West. There are so many things, but the flat earth thing is a psyop. It's another dis dissipation and disinfo campaign with literally backed by millions of dollars and possibly more. And they're doing a great job at convincing people that they live on a disc that can't <laughs> possibly exist. And so I, when you confront these people with physics that are working, that, you know, the physics work, you can do the experiment yourself. You can research your own way out of flat earth theory, but they don't do that. They come at it with a almost religious fervor, like, no, it's magical. And, you know, the sky is a magic thing. You can look at it's a screen and there's a hologram. So that's why you can, it's why stars look like they're millions of light years away. So when you're up against somebody that reasons like that, that discounts everything and just takes strange they you know they're already sold on it it's a very difficult thing and it's very dangerous because what is what is history going to tell us you know what if it what if it proliferates into the into the future for a hundred years and there's there's actually like a real flat earth belief in the in the future and it's not even it's not even believable really so among that thing the ufology is under this under the same dangers so if they can if they can take the sunset away from you and time zones away from you <laughs> how hard would it be for them to take people being abducted and regressed in time and living in space and being put back in regressed in time being back 30 minutes after the initial abduction so they can really hide that easily if they choose to that's what the, that's what it's all about it's a, it's a canary in the coal mine for how bad they can manipulate information and make and what slice of society they what number of people they can get to believe an outrageous fact and so that's what we're up against. They, their controllers, the people that are in control of information are had to really up their game. Now that media, the internet and the age of information has proliferated and we're up against a great deal of disinformation. And so you have to have a thirst for it. That's the only way. That's the only thing you have to have a thirst for finding more of the truth. Once you hear something that, that rings true to you and uh, the world is round. It's a globe. <laughs> you've been to space you've seen it yes <laughs> so what i got from you is cultivate a sense of truth within yourself and then your kind of natural thirst and hunger for more truth will guide you to research i mean that that's what i've been on i just keep researching and also be considerate of others like some people i talk i've been sharing lately i go to alcoholics anonymous almost every day and i share i've been sharing at meetings lots of times about things about ets and you know, like reading your book. And some people just turn their head or groan when I talk about it. And that's like, consider it like, okay, this person's not open to hearing that right now. Let, let me focus on the person who comes over and says, hey, you know, I'm into remote viewing and like kind of focus on giving our information to the people who want it and are excited about it. Right now, 
most people believe that 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 reaction of rejecting the information is what everybody else is going to do. Those people that turn their back on you, if you're in a group of people and you start talking about the information and they, the people that are up that turn their back on it, they believe that everybody's going to turn their back. It's called inclusion. It's a sales technique called inclusion. They believe that everybody doesn't believe it so that they it's easy. It's an easy thing for them to do to not believe it, whether that they don't even need to have an opinion. They don't need to waste the time on thinking about it or how it would affect their life or what it is. Any subject doesn't matter what the subject is. All they have to do is see the mass inclusion and they can follow the crowd. And then that's the correct answer. And then get on with their life. So once that becomes the other direction, once they believe that everybody believes this information, that the ETs are real, that life is out there and that we are interacting with them and that the cosmos are very vast. Once those same people believe that everybody believes this, they will include themselves in it. They will, they will so they'll agree. just come along once enough. They're just of going us... to follow the masses. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's mass psychology. It's, so called, it's like it's critical mass, kind of like when enough of us are open and take this as a truth, how, the masses kind of swap. How many advertisements do you see? Well, this is what everybody's doing. <laughs> Buy our product. Everybody's liking the new shoes and everybody does this. That's it's called inclusion. They're making you believe that literally everybody does it. And because once everybody does it, you know it's safe for you. Everybody can eat something, uh, very bad food, and you'll <laughs> believe it's safe because everybody does it. If, if it was bad, something bad would have happened to somebody else first. And so right, right now, they believe that turning away from this information is what everybody's doing. That's what I'm saying. We have to talk wow. about it enough. We have to talk about it enough to make it look, to make it not the truth. So just talking about it, even if people are reacting that way, it's putting the idea in their head that not everybody's thinking about it that way. Exactly. exactly. Oh, that's because they're just sharing this information. All right, we've got a bunch of viewer questions, and I guess we could put a lot of them together into one simple question, which was asked is, what kinds of extraterrestrials have you seen firsthand? So I get asked that a lot, and <laughs> during my time, you know, not a ton. Um a dozen maybe that I that I saw in person with my own two eyes. So there were a tall white um, race that were in charge of a lot of the programming in the in the programs when I was up there, like a lot of the you call it schooling. There were reptile reptilian races. There was a shorter reptilian that I spent quite a bit of time with and actually was the one ET that I interacted with the most and uh, for about a day that I was going being being moved from it in the in the book it's in the return was that so the one was who was kind shorter, of friendly with you he was a funny guy right he was he was the equivalent of in his 20s his mid-20s he had a wife and children he went home to his own planet every day he was short about four feet tall maybe four and a half feet tall and very strong he was from a heavy gravity planet so he was security and he was my chaperone when i went from station to station during a during the return process and uh so i actually got to speak with him and he was a he had a sense of humor he wasn't evil and you know he was a reptilian he was a reptile um there were taller species of humanoid that were on series colony that lived there full time that i did interact with slightly and there were a, even a taller race than them that did a lot of the business uh they ran a lot of the businesses there 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 are literally every version of humanoid throughout the cosmos that you can think of um I met a person that looked had had a mouth more like a cat, 
cat like like a feline feature and then somebody that looked more like a fish like a, like evolved like an aqua like they had the ability to go in the water and you know they looked more they more like a fish um but a, but again a humanoid and then one that looked like a like it descended from a rat like i i believe that it's an evolutionary thing that each planet had the way that dna um that we have the dna evolves is based on the harmonics or whatever the energy that's off of the planet and it's a natural thing like throughout nature life tends to evolve to be efficient and and utilize energy so life eats life life takes care of life and takes and uses the energy so whenever energy in nature gets stored up from life a new life form will come along and capitalize on that form of energy that's laying around and my example for that humanoids is that you know i i believe that the intelligence of humanoids evolves naturally in nature because of fire the need for fire like forests grow and they leave all this wood in the in the woods and it's a great deal of energy that doesn't get used so along comes a species that learns how to use it and and create fire and it need you need intelligence for that to create fire and then it 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 lends to many other benefits so whenever the energy gets not used in in nature along comes a life form that takes takes advantage of the energy being left there and humanoids on every single planet tend to start off being smart by needing to take advantage of energy from making fires and so then we once we got smart enough to do that it led on to you know our digestive system changing and then you know we evolved into what we are and that form of of intelligent life form happens on most planets it just said a different word whatever whatever life form is it is and so humans are everywhere i met a lot of humans that were not from earth up there and um but there are many different species that are nothing like us there you know you could pick any animal out of nature and somewhere out there there's probably a humanoid version of it that's really cool so somebody was asking in a chat about mermaids so hmm. i imagine those are it sounds like from what you've experienced almost everything we see is based on some kind of reality like so there are there are i didn't i didn't meet any aquatic humanoids but they are there so there are many aquatic uh species and it's probably it's probably very common but um i didn't have access to so my existence up there was not somebody of great status i was actually a slave and i didn't have access to the databases i didn't have my own my own phone put it, put it that way i didn't have a smartphone and other people did <laughs> a version of they had a version of a smartphone so i didn't have access to the internet or, or to learn what they had access to it was just everything i knew was either from what i saw or from what people at work told me about what we talked about well that's i'm making sure there's any other questions i i think we've got into the most oh what are so with all that you know what do you recommend some of the other books or youtube channels that we read that actually have um, good information that you found helpful or that we would find helpful you, you know this the most recent one from dr saddle the space force book is a i read that book. one that was so a good one he i i read most of it i got up to the part where i'm in it and i i, did, <laughs> I cringed i haven't read that so i'm at the end but <laughs> That book really gives, you know what that book does is it gives a great deal of evidence. So people always want evidence. The people that are skeptical, like your, your guys at your, the guys at your meeting that want to turn around and they're being caught, they're being kind, but you know what I mean? 
they they want evidence, and that book's full of it. That's full of actual evidence. Uh, Elena Denon's books recently are great. Um, she's got a few books out, and she's got one on um, alien races, and she's she's just cranking out books, and they're doing very well. They're bestsellers too, and she just the same way that I got vindicated by the um, discovery of the salt deposits on Ceres colony that I, excuse me, on the Ceres planetoid. So in the Elkader crater on Ceres, there's the big white spots that people speculated what they were. And in 2016, NASA said they could have been a host of chemicals. And I went on record and said, no, that's, that's salt. There's a slight amount of magnesium and there's salt there. That's basically just salt. And because I remember when we flew over it, um, when I was on, worked on a UFO audit series. And in two, August of 2020, NASA concluded its study and confirmed that it was salt. So that was a very vindicating thing that I called that out and it got proved later. So Elena just had something happen about the uh, trinary, the planetary system of the nearby star. I think it's Sirius B. I'm not sure. I got to go read up on it. But she just got vindicated by NASA. Um, NASA concluded that it was a tri they found a third planet that they previously didn't know that she called out before. So her information got vindicated, uh, had some validation there. So I would I would recommend uh, looking into her info as well. There are a lot of good sources. I would start all um, things from exopolitics.org is who I recommend the most. I just find that other people, so it depends on how fringe you want to go. Um, <laughs> you know, how really, really how, you know, you're, what you're, um, because there's a great deal of information, you can watch hours and hours. So I start there because they have the greatest deal of vetting that goes on. So, the, but there are many other channels. I just off the top of my head, I can't think of right now. Yeah, you said in some of your interviews you were on Gaia TV also. Yes. Are there any series you recommend to watch on there? Well, I just went over and did a. So I originally filmed four episodes on for Cosmic Disclosure season 13 and they they had to cut one out so they had so there's only three episodes of my story up there the early years of the real traumatic stuff they 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 cut out and that's um, in the book so we the things they cut out the, those the book are is all in the book not for the lighthearted right the book is not pg by any yeah, means the book I is a rated r I had several cries on the book, and there was at least a couple of days where, you know, where your mind gets some disturbing information, and almost every single thing you get bounces off that information. Like mm -hmm. some of the experiences, and I found the way to kind of deal with it is like, well, I'm glad that's not going on in my house right now, <laughs> and what I can control and what I can do. It was... And I'll do whatever I can to help others that are in these situations. Again, they've gotten away with all these things in these programs and with the abuse of humans from the ETs and from these military programs, how they abuse people. They've gotten away with it because of the secrecy. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing we need to remove is the secrecy about it. So that's what, the book, that's what the book is all about. The very first step to fixing a problem is admitting that there's a problem, right? That's a, isn't yes. that a... Uh, like uh, what an alcoholic anonymous. Yeah, that's step one. Is admitting step one a is problem. you have to admit that there's a problem. <laughs> you have to know about it, and they're using the secrecy of never letting us know. No, there's no life up there. There's no space program. There's nothing going on. Don't look. The world's flat. Don't even look up. That's really what it is. The world. They're selling us the world is flat. Don't even bother thinking that space isn't even real. Just go back to work. <laughs> that's because they don't want you to know. Because that's is step one of curing, of of liberating us from where Honesty. we're at in this is let, well admitting that it's real that there is life up there they've held us away from that so that because they've been taking advantage of us the whole our, for our entire history 
we've been a slave race under them and we've been you know we've been we've been looted and pillaged um, on a biblical scale throughout history that we are, we're just unaware of we have no idea and so the, the secrecy is how they get away with it so once that secrecy is out of the way we the people that are you know once the whole everybody admits it and it's a household common thing then the people that attain positions of power can do something about it all right, that's good that's because the idea. what I've been telling people is the first step is you need to clean your own life and your own secrecy up because as long as you're lying and cheating and stealing, you really deserve to have the same done to you. But once that's you right. kind of cultivate, like I've done through Alcoholics Anonymous, like I have no more secrets. My life is very transparent. I'm the same everywhere with everybody. Now I'm essentially putting that out into the collective too. Like that's the kind of collective I expect. So I, the more of us that kind of do that work personally, the collective is just going to mirror that. The other thing is, so, I mean, you've touched on something that's a very big factor of a disclosure. So when we talk about disclosure, we're not only talking about admitting life is out there or participating with extraterrestrial races. We're talking about joining them. Yeah. We're talking about inviting guests down here to our planet and possibly being guests on other planets. So most people, I don't think, are ready for that. There is still a great deal of abuse that we do to each other in the, in the way that we live a lie. We are living a lie. But many people live and they chase the wrong things and they lie to themselves about what's going to make them happy and what's not. And, I mean, it's profound to say it, but we, you're right. You're, that's... We have to we have to set our society up to where we can accommodate people that we don't really understand. Because hmm. right now, when other people that you don't understand come by, they're immediately ridiculed and made fun of. Or or and the kids nowadays are better than we were, so we're seeing it begin. We're really seeing the beginnings of a disclosure species, a species that can handle disclosure. Because right now, I mean, if you can't stand a certain race or a certain sexuality or a certain political view. Somebody that has a different political view. That, that's where the biggest hate is, I think, these days, is politics. But if you can't handle somebody with the opposite view of you to, to sit down and, and spend time with, how are you going to handle somebody that comes from another planet and their political view that is nothing like our, you know, like, what do you, how are you going to handle people that have a completely backwards family structure or a sexuality or an eating way, a way that things that they eat or their behavior, like, their etiquette, all of it. It's going to run the gambit when we disclose and we're going to meet people that we don't approve of, but they have every right to exist and they've been at it for a long time and they should be welcome. And we should be welcome there. And we're going to have to change a lot of ways of our behavior for that reason. So you're right. Being honest with yourself and cleaning up your own. So we have to make our society one that welcomes extraterrestrials. And people go, why? So I can, I can already hear people. I can already hear the pushback. Going, <laughs> well, why should I change me for them? I shouldn't have to do anything. Well, because you've been lied to so that you've been you've been enslaved so that you go to work every day and spend all your money on stupid things to keep you going to work every day. You've <laughs> yeah. lived a lie. There's been a false cult culture propagated and, and presented to you for one. And for two, and the most important thing is that once we do participate with the intergalactic society, we're going to have access to great deals of technology that we don't have now. 
We're gonna yeah, have I would far love better for health. you to talk some more about that. So we're going to have far we better health. We saw some health. questions like, what are some of the technologies you've seen that when we do this work, we can get access to these what things? Hap- what happened to me was a life extension technology. So somebody could go, they could easily put all of us through, not all of us, there's a genetic limit to it. So there are some people don't have the genetics to go through the technology, but there are separate kinds of, of life extension. There's more than one. But I mean, we could easily add 20 years to everybody's life overnight with that program, with what happened. It was 20 years. I went in 10 years old. I lived 20 years. They put me back, age regressed me. And I went back to the same exact night and picked up with my life and lived. So, you know, I'm 50 years old today, but I've really got 70 years of memories. So that could happen to everybody that think about what is the value of that, of selling somebody or giving, granting somebody 20 more years of youthful life, not just life, not just 20 years tacked on to when you're 80 to go to a hundred. <laughs> I mean, 20 years of being in your prime twice, 10, you know, imagine being 15 to 35 and then going back and living 15 to 35 with all that knowledge you accumulated the first time you do it all again, but from a young age, imagine, imagine our society, what it would transform our society into. That's just one thing. That's just one. Imagine anti-graph flying quickly. Everybody imagine your car could, we could all, all of a sudden we can go to Paris for the afternoon and back. Imagine all of the, the, all the pharmaceutical company, all that gone because Broken broken bones are fixed in a, overnight in in one night. Broken bones, no more severed limbs, uh, heart transplants, all in one day. Good you said they the had medical day. gels that they did all these procedures, and the medical gels would just it heal like in a, overnight. They can put it right. Imagine imagine having surgery and not even knowing you had a surgery the next day because it was all healed, everything gone, the sti- no stitches, Lord. nothing. So these are these, and these are small things. Um, uh, food replication no more starvation oh yeah no need to agriculture the entire world no more you know what i mean there would still be farm animals there would still be farms that happen but not on the scale that we see it today they could mitigate it Uh, they could cut something more than half of the agriculture out and we would have synthetic food that would be healthy for us and really be essentially free for people so that would be the end of a lot of things imagine if we could aspire imagine if we hung out with beings that are far more advanced than us beings that can manipulate matter with their mind they have the mentality the mental acuity just as far above us as we do the animals so just as smarter just as much smarts as you have over your dog or cat they have over us and imagine spending time with them how we could aspire what we would learn from them so disclosure is going to be a big deal this is a big deal and if anybody that just wants to shrug it off and say we don't have to i don't have to do any work for this I mean, it's really, I got a, I got a question, you know, I guess your sense, your sense of self-care, what your self-worth is at that point, because I mean, this is going to move us to the next step in our evolution and we're really where we should have been already. We should be living like this for the last hundred years. We've been oppressed. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to keep preaching on. I feel like I'm preaching, but there's, <laughs> that's basically the re- it's Emma sad, on YouTube says true. she's been imagining these things for years. Yeah, we're we're living in a great time right now. We're living on the cusp of this. We're living in the very beginning of this happening. And so everybody, this is possibly the best time to ever be alive to watch, you know, if we get they we get to see the the shift, the pivot of mankind from just a terrestrial species to an intergalactic species overnight literally it could happen overnight so if we get to witness this before it's all over with this is going to be one of the best lifetimes that ever was for for everybody so 
That's what I'm getting. I'm an optimist. I'm an ever. I'm a. I'm an optimist, and I always look for the best. And I like to. I like to manipulate and and speak of the future in a great way, to bring it out. Me too. That's. I figure what I'm speaking is kind of what I'm manifesting and hoping for, and that's why I can talk about this all day. Like when you talk about being with an advanced being that you know would make me feel like I'm my dog compared to them like i have a hunger for that i'm like i want to learn and see what i can do we have a big crypto youtuber michael suppo in the chat and you mentioned a little something in your book i hadn't heard mentioned too much in other interviews you said you were there in like 2000 or so at the time you mentioned this i think that you were offered a blockchain wallet on the series colony so that was 20 plus years ago so yes, and Series Colony, there was a trade window that, and I had to put this in the book, last minute thing that I remembered. What happened to me was that I had been tortured. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I had been put through trauma-based mind control programs that made me an obedient worker, and in the doing so, they tor- they literally tortured us. When I went to set up my trade window, so I got promoted and they voted on giving me a check and it was something like 20, 20, they called them francs, but like dollars, like 20 to $30 of spending power a week is what I got paid. So I had to go to a trade window. They call it, they didn't call it the bank. They call it a trade window because they traded ships could come from other planets and not have any money and say, look, I've got this such and such goods and go to the trade window and be issued either currency or trade it for other goods that were on hand. So it was a, it was in a very real sense, a very literal sense, a trade window. But it offered banking services. They had facial recognition banking. You did not need a card or a pin. You walked up to whatever, like a vending machine, and pressed what you want, and they could see on your face and take the money out of your account and just give you the thing. So there was banking on that level there. There was money. A lot of people want to argue, like you said, that you know, space is benevolent. There's no money up there. Well, there was trade. <laughs> There's trade between the races. Every race, it's the name of the game. When I set up my account there, she told me to put it on the chain, the block blockchain, or they had a different, might have had a different spin to it, but it was something chain. And I said, what are you talking about? You know, and she explained it to me. And I don't remember the verbiage that she used per se, but I remember the dynamics of what, how she explained that it works, that you paid money to put it in, and it would go up in value and that there were other things you could do. You could loan it. There were other, it had many different functions you could do with the money. You would convert the money and then convert it back. Basically the rules that she explained to me about something that had chain. And I was just afraid of the word chain. I just, (laughs) you know, and I thought like I'm going to be beaten by chains. That's how I remember it, but it worked exactly like cryptocurrency does today. Wow. And that was more than 20 years ago. That would have been around 1998, 96, or 97 to 98, right in there. So this was on series colony. They had access to, you know, a, a form of cryptocurrency. It worked so like just 25 like 25 years ago. They had crypto in these secret programs. And now, yes. so I'd love with your, with what you've seen with, you know, all your experiences plus crypto, like, what do you think about cryptocurrency as something for the future like is it so we're seeing a real pushback with the banning they recently banned crypto in china and they started to ban it in russia then quickly retracted (laughs) so we're seeing what we're really seeing is the official put we knew when crypto bitcoin came out and, and the first people started becoming wealthy from bitcoin when it really got its big spike up right you know 
<clears throat> we knew that everybody said, and this was the scuzzle was how can the central banks let this happen? How can the fed, how can they let another money happen? Right? So yeah. everybody said that naturally you would think there's not going to be another currency. How can they do that? And so nothing happened. There was no pushback. There was nothing from the banks negative about it. So everybody just said, okay, well, I guess it's not a big deal. They, they ignored it. The banks ignored cryptocurrency because it was just a, a, a mosquito to them. They was, they just ignored it if they knew what was going on or not. And so now we're seeing the pushback from the federal reserve, from the central banks, which is the Russians, central bank, the Chinese, and they're making their own digital currencies that really behave and work nothing like they are not cryptocurrency. They behave nothing like cryptocurrency. It's the same old, it's the same old thing. It's the, it's the, um, predicted electric currency that they always said that, you know, that, uh, George Orwell predicted kind of thing. So really we're seeing the pushback and they've gotten away with it in China, which is heartbreaking to me because cryptocurrency really holds the promise of wealth for people. They really hold, excuse me, not wealth. Cryptocurrency holds the promise of getting people out of poverty. So poor people can participate in crypto and, and begin to save money and have assets that, that pay them. It's passive income. It's one of the that's because the value kind of persistently goes up on it instead of like naturally constricts just by holding it. It goes up. Whereas like by holding us dollars, it's essentially going down in value. Exactly. That's exactly right. And crypto is, is available in small increments. So when you buy into the stock market, a lot of stock market accounts that really give you good yields, you can't access mutual funds and many funds unless you have a $10,000 to put down. So the poor man is not is priced out of the game completely. But in so crypto, you can buy little tiny amounts of it and just hold on to it. You can buy $20 at a time and just let it accumulate over time. So if you're a young man, it makes a lot of sense. The, the amount of coins naturally constricts. And so the value goes up per coin over time. There's just, that's just the, baked into the existence of crypto. Not not all of them do that, and I'm not a financial Some of advisor. Them do differently, yeah. I'm not a financial advisor, and not all <laughs> of them do that. So there are some gimmicks. So um, there's definitely a lot to learn, and the best way to learn is really look from other people that are already in crypto. <clears throat> but I'm a big fan of it, and it's the it's the canary in the coal mine for where we're at. They were going to pass legislation. They just did the America Competes Act, and they were going to have a huge crypto regulation clause in that they got struck out at the last minute, which was a huge wow. victory for us. <clears throat> but uh, we got to keep an eye on how they're going to legislate crypto. And if it gets banned in America, we're going to come out, we're going to come across dark times. Uh, that's how I feel. So crypto is a very big thing and <clears throat> it's indicative of a modern futuristic free society must have cryptocurrency currency. So that's how I feel about that. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yes, and Michael Suppo is a crypto YouTuber. He said he's a big fan of you now. And yeah, <laughs> Michael, actually, Tony, I was in crypto in 2013, and I got out of it after seeing a lot of the sketchy stuff that goes on in it. And now listening to you, I'm like, you know, maybe maybe this is something to be worth well, the thing to do. More. So what we've learned, so the crypto market recently has had a great deal of volatility because of these bannings, because of Russia the Ukraine developments, and then China banning it, a lot of the mining power of crypto has been put back five, 10 years of hashtag rate. So um, I would I would advise anybody, look, personally, I didn't want to buy any, and like, I can't stop buying it. I really do, <laughs> I really am, uh, I just I just like the way it works. Once I learned it, and I like the, the way it works, 
and I'm into the DeFi stuff and I'm staking crypto and I'm trying to do it left and right. But I'm also very scared. Like you, I also accept the reality that they could ban it and I could lose every bit of my asset tomorrow. The same way that happened to so many people in China. So many people in China had a great deal of money, you know, and saved up in crypto. And then the government came and pulled the rug right out from under them. All the money disappeared. Yeah, so they used it like deal. a scam then. Yeah, yeah, buy this, buy this. And then yes, essentially a, all the elites bought in first. Then the regular people buy in. Then the elites sell off beforehand. Then it gets banned and goes back So there's nothing. that very real reality. I would say that to anybody. Like, I support crypto, but I'm saying you can't put your house payment on it. You have to do it with, you know, your movie money. Like you have play to play money, essentially. Your pizza. You quit eating the pizza and put that <laughs> in. <clears throat> Pizza's 50 bucks for dinner family now, so... Just don't do a pizza a month and put that in crypto and not your every not, not if it's going to hurt you. You need to be emotionally prepared. There's a very real possibility. You, you could lose, lose everything. All right. So if you can afford to yet. lose whatever you put in completely, then it's worth it might be worth participating. If they don't pull the rug out from under us in the next five, if you go into the right ones in five or 10 years, you'll have a great deal of return for that investment. You'll have a great return. And it's a good hedge against the inflation, which is not a myth. Yeah, inflation's so, a proven fact. <laughs> yeah, inflation's going to hit rear its head really ugly next year, I believe. So um, <clears throat> it's a smart idea to have crypto. It's a bad idea to have all your money in crypto. All right. Thank you. That was very, very clear. <clears throat> all right. We've got a little over an hour here. Is there anything else you'd like to cover that we haven't talked about yet? I would just, uh, just that I'm completely shocked that the book has done as well as it has and people like you have told me that it's you know your favorite book and everything so it's done really well um jackie kenner who is my partner through everything from my um my patreon show i have a patreon show talks with tony it's going through a restructure she's uh stepped away and because she's starting a family how she just recently got married and has begun on a family so she's stepped away so <clears throat> I'm doing restructuring on my show and uh, the website. Sorry, I'm horses drying here. But um, there's going through a lot of changes in my system, my stuff. And I've got a really uh, very optimistic for a lot of things that are going to come soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also in May, I'm going to the I'll be speaking live at the Secret Space Program Conference in uh, it's near St. Louis. I forget the town, but it's for Journey of the Truth. He's putting on a conference. A great schedule there so i'd like to plug that <clears throat> and um that's it all right so where's your where do people find you you've got the book obviously is i've had it kind of in the background and in the title but the book series colony cavalier you can just google that easily or go on amazon i'm on there's the tony it's got links to the book and my memory course and you can book consultations with me I made a memory course to help people that have been through similar experiences that have fragmented or deleted memories. And it's a course of techniques like exercises to help you retrieve memories, things that you've forgotten that you know must be there that you've forgotten. And it works. I've had great feedback. And that's available on my website. There's other free interviews that are on my website, links to my Patreon channel, and links to the book, of course. <clears throat> so TonyRodriggs.com. Tony if you feel compelled to, please check it out. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for this interview today. It's we've we've had a lot of like clear calls to action on what we can do. A great vision of the future. Talked about aliens, advanced technology. You can get a whole lot more in the book too. So, Tony, thanks a lot for doing this today. Appreciate you being here. 
Thank you. That was so great. I had a great time. Thank you. And do, do you want to do you want to wrap this up and you can sign off and I'll talk to the chat or do you want me to sign everything off and talk to you in private? Like, it's up to you. Um, I can get uh, I'll get going. And if you want to do how is there more in the chat that you're I'm still up for any questions if there are any. What else? <clears throat> All right. So I'm, I'm obviously filtering a lot of the, the questions about, you know, some of the things that aren't real. All right. Ryder asked about how do you determine like with these memories, how do you determine if it's a real or a, a real yeah, or a like dream? a dream or reality? That's Ryder so, asked that a bunch of times in the chat. Like, how okay, do you distinguish so if you, these? If you all of a sudden have a waking dream or, or even a dream at night and you have a waking memory <clears throat> of walking down a beach because I've got a picture behind me of Florida <laughs> and you become lucid, you go, how did I get here? A dream doesn't have a trip to the beach or a trip home. A memory does. If you think, how did I got here? And then you get a memory of driving to the beach and then a memory of waking up that morning. That's a memory because it connects to other memories. Dreams don't. Dreams are autonomous. So that's how you know. <clears throat> Thank you. That's a very good, concise answer. So memories are kind of a more... <laughs> memories have a whole kind of like timeline so to speak whereas a dream is just kind of like a bubble here memories will unpack other memories so there's it's the way that the brain works so i always use this example and i say i say to you i said what did you do for your 16th birthday and five minutes ago you weren't thinking about that <laughs> now you don't now you are did you do you remember your 16th birthday not that well but i was in germany at the time you remember germany now where were you staying uh, in a near Rammstein in a little town. I remember so the So you apartment. can see the town now. So you see the apartment. You understand mm -hmm. how we're unpacking these memories. So think about this. Here's this. So you weren't thinking about this right now at this moment, but what would the bathroom in the apartment look like? Well, I can see that small. Now you can see it. <laughs> now you understand though, that's a memory. A memory begets other memories when you start asking it questions. A dream doesn't. That's It's that simple. So when you start unpacking memory, when I can go in and work with people and put a date and a time... <clears throat> begin asking them things and surprise them with questions like that so they go man i'm walking i don't know i saw this it was weird i know i go wait a minute was there a carpet or was it hard floor it was a carpet and they go it was a carpet and i go well what color was it and they you know once you can surprise them you pry more memories out and that once that happens is some people get a floodgate effect and some people just kind of digest it but more memories beget more mem memories are keystones to other memories well, thank you for sharing that because we have Emma on YouTube says she has <clears throat> memories of being kidnapped by ETs, but everything else is blank. So you've got a memory course on your website that helps to. And I, I deal, I, I worked with actually quite a bit of people and I couldn't keep up with everybody. So that's why I added the fee for the booking. And it's like I'm booked out the next three weeks already <clears throat> still. But I work with a lot of people, same, the same exact thing, like she just said. And just try to make sense of what they remember, what they do remember and give them a little bit of homework and kind of just compare it to other people. So common denominators are really validating <clears throat> and uh, assign it to what kind of program or what kind of ET we're, we're dealing with here, what reason they were taken. And that's, I kind of do consultations and work with people for that, but there's so many, that's what's really hard to get your head around is that there's so many people that say the same thing, like she said, and come forward. And when, and when I start really, prying their memories like I just did with you about your 16th birthday. 
common things pop up <clears throat> that other people said too that there's no way they could have known. So it, and it, it happens time and time again, like on a weekly basis for me that I deal, I work with people and get more out of them. And, and so this is a very real phenomenon. I mean, you know, call it what you will, but this stuff is happening and for all many different reasons, but it is happening and it's, we need to, we need to be aware of it and it needs to be common knowledge for every but one of us. It, right now it's a taboo subject. It's a laughable subject. It needs to be a common subject. We need to be open about it and we need to normalize it. Well, we're doing that today. We're getting it out there. And if I can think of an analogy, it helps if you've had an experience to go through the process with somebody who's had a similar experience. Like if I talk to my mom or my brother about my 16th birthday, they're going to help exactly. me be able to recall things I wouldn't have remembered by myself because they also have had very similar experiences for my 16th birthday. And you get different people that lived in different, whatever, whatever their abduction experience is, there are different levels of some people go and have a very, very um, positive experience where they go and nothing bad happened to them. It was a, the, it was a benevolent experience. I've talked to, I've worked with people, not many, <laughs> but I have talked with people that they were abducted and that it was a positive thing that happened to them as a result. But there are a lot of people that have trauma and there's a different level and everybody kind of understands and deal processes trauma at their own speed. So not everybody's ready to remember everything. Um, and not everybody is ready to process the trauma that comes with it in these things, these experiences. And which is an, just yet another reason to talk about it. I found that speaking about it is absolutely the best therapy. You don't have to speak with me or a therapist for that matter. You have to speak to somebody that is supportive of you. And it's not going to shoot you down when they, when they hear something they don't want to hear. You have to speak with somebody with an open mind. That's all it is. And uh, the more you do that, the more they because they put blocks in you, they, they put slide reflexes in you sub, subconsciously to make you avoid uh, jogging the memories. And so speaking about it, it, it slowly breaks those blocks down. And then once you can get out the information and get more memories and speak about it, it really heals the wounds that you don't even know you have. A lot of people are very wounded from these programs and they don't even know that they are. That's the sadness of it. <clears throat> well, thank you for helping you heal this. I think that, all right, we better put a last question here. We could go on all day. What's the, all right, so last question. Marshall says, what's the hardest <clears throat> thing that Tony's had to overcome that you didn't anticipate releasing the book? Or you could expand that if there's not enough material for the book, like coming forward and going public. Early days of writing the book and writing down the trauma. Speaking about it, I can tell you that I was shocked and beaten and not relive it. But if I sit and write it down and write the details of how I felt, it's like reliving it. So that was very hard to write the book in the beginning. Throughout the whole book, really, it was very hard. <clears throat> it's still hard for me to do, to read it. Um, what's happened since it's been released has been hard for me. So my family's found the book. People I didn't never intended to share this information from my childhood, from my school years, and my inside my family, <clears throat> I never wanted them. It's like somebody reading my diary. The whole world can just log on to Amazon and buy my diary now. And it's <laughs> embarrassing. You know, and there's a form of embarrassment to the people I grew up with about it. So that's been un unexpectedly difficult. And, you know, my mom's getting a copy for her birthday, my mom. Oh. And a lot of people, well, a lot of people, uh, women say, you know, as a mother, to read what you went through as a boy, oh, yeah. it just breaks my heart. And I don't, 
you know what I mean? I didn't want this to, to be available to my mom for that reason. But <clears throat> so it is what it is, though. I, uh, I stand by things, uh, being truthful, and, um, you know, I'm going to ride it to where it goes. I, I, at some point, you have, I had to put my foot down and say, I'm not going to be afraid of this. I'm going to be myself, and I'm going to speak about this, and that's that. And what, let the cards lay where they may have. Somebody, there have been people that have found out this information and no longer want to associate with me. And that's fine. Like I said, it's, it's everybody's personal thing. You can be skeptical. Be weird if you're not skeptical. And it's your choice. And, but many people have been supportive of me and, and stood with me. And some people don't want to participate with me anymore. Like I've been disinvited to Christmas. So um, it is what it is. I, I still, I, I'm unapologetic about it, though, because I earned the right to speak about this book. And these, I've earned every right to speak about this publicly, and nobody can take that away from me because I, I lived it. This is, not a, this is a fantastic story to the reader. It was, it's my childhood, and it's my diary. So I, uh, I don't apologize for speaking about it. But it's been, that's been a difficult thing. <clears throat> Well, thank you very much, Tony. I think we'll, I'll end the live stream on that note. And then if there's anything you want to mention after the stream, uh, we'll wrap it up. Thank you very much, Tony. This is incredible today. Everything gonna... I'd hoped for in an interview with you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. I'm going to go get a lozenge. I got a bit of a hoarse throat here. I've been talking all morning. That's why it's dry in here. And um, I'll be in touch. Maybe we can do this again uh, later on. Sure. I'd love to follow up with you, especially that second book. Anything we can get into about your other books. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Tony. Have a wonderful day today. We appreciate your time here. Thank you.